Christ the Holy Servant Church in Buffalo, New York presents weekly sermons and homilies from Father Joshua Baker and Deacon Alan Strauss. Father Joshua is a priest in the CEC dedicated to spreading the message of the gospel and celebrating the ancient faith and worship of the church. CTHS is a family of families, a place to belong and grow, a house of prayer. And now, here's Father Josh. Father God, as we join together in worship, let us not forget your infinite patience and love in dealing with your people, of which we count ourselves. Use us in your service, that we might draw others into your kingdom. To your praise and glory we ask this. Amen. So please turn in your Bibles right now to the book of Luke, chapter 24, beginning at verse 13. Our reading comes to us today because it's still on Easter Sunday in our story. As we move, we move from the Gospel of John to the Gospel of Luke because this story is so pivotal and so important that the fathers who put the lectionary together said, we just cannot have the season of Easter without this. So let's just quickly recap what has happened in getting to this story today. Jesus was in the tomb. The women go to the tomb and they find out he's not there. And angels tell them what's up. They tell them he is risen. He's no longer with the dead. He is risen. And Peter goes to the tomb and he sees the two pieces of cloth with John. And then they go back to the group of the believers, the group of all the disciples, the 120 disciples who were still following. And they tell everyone and they all marvel together. And they don't know what to make of any of it. And that's where our story picks up today because it doesn't say they all stayed together. And it doesn't say they all believed. It says they all marveled. So looking today at Luke 24 verse 13 says, That very day, two of them, these are the two of the 120 members of God's people who followed Jesus, two of the people who had been in the temple with him every day, two of the people who had believed what Jesus was saying. And apparently they were present when Peter and John had returned from the tomb. And it says they were going to a village named Emmaus. And about, they, it was about seven miles from Jerusalem, verse 14. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. I love those two words, drew near. It's this invasion of God's presence into our lives. This invasion of Jesus himself into our homes and into our personal space. Now, here's the thing. In our church family, if you're an extrovert, you are way outnumbered. If you like people coming to you and talking to you and making themselves known to you, you're just very outnumbered here. You're outmatched, like 10 to 1 probably. And most of us aren't really like that. We like small groups, small numbers of people. We like our own space. And if we're in a crowd, we get exhausted fast. But even with that, can I let you in on a little secret? 
even the most hardcore introvert, they still like people. We still like, every so often, our space getting invaded upon. Here's what I mean. If you get a phone call or an uplifting message from someone that you love or someone who loves you, every so often, even the most hardcore introvert loves that. We still love it when people draw near to us. And the word that I've had from God for the past week is that as a Christian, we are only supposed to do what what God has enabled us to do. And in this time, it's so easy to focus on what we cannot do. It's so easy to think about what we're not allowed to do. That we can't attend physically in church that we can't do things in large groups, that we're not supposed to go see our loved ones who don't live with us or go give people hugs. It's all about what we're not supposed to do, what we can't do. But why don't we turn that around today and instead set our eyes on what we can do? Can we study the word together through video conferring? Sure we can. Can we still preach the word and celebrate the Eucharist? Sure we can. Do you own a telephone? Can you invade members of your church family's lives and their space with a phone call or a positive uplifting message? Sure we can. And if God has enabled you to do so, then by God, let's do it in Jesus' name. Sometimes in our lives, People fall away. People back out. But I truly believe as we draw near to each other, and as we draw near to his word, and as we draw near to his body and blood in the Eucharist, that Jesus draws near to you, and he's with you right now. Verse 16 Luke keeps going and says, But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And pretty much what that means when you look at the way the Greek lays out is, he's basically saying, What are the words that are coming out of your mouth? What in the world are you talking about? And I'm never sure how to read Jesus. Because whenever I read Jesus, I always seem to find a little bit of sarcasm in his voice. And here, I I really can't tell, is he feigning ignorance? Is he like faking? Is he just on the surface, just trying to get into the conversation? And another part of me thinks that Jesus was walking along just seeing what they were going to say and that he's just listening to them and he couldn't help himself. That he just needs to stop their conversation. And it, it makes me think, what if he, what he heard made him go, what in the world are you talking about? How are these words coming out of your mouth? Don't you remember that I told you that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day will rise? Don't you remember how I said in three days I will rebuild this temple? I only said that five days ago. How can these words be coming out of your mouths? 
What in the world are you talking about? And they stood still. And when you got a seven-mile walk, saying that you're standing still, what Jesus had just asked them literally stopped them in their tracks. And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas. Now, this is Cleopas by church tradition is believed very likely, it's not guaranteed, but it's very likely that this was the brother of St. Joseph, the same Joseph who was Mary's husband, who was Jesus' stepfather, his father on earth. And it's quite possible that Jesus here is kind of talking to his uncle. It's not guaranteed, and it doesn't really matter, but it's kind of cool, right? And Cleopas answered him, saying, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? See, there's that family sarcasm, right? And he said to him, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. I guess that's an okay way to start. But honestly, saying Jesus was a prophet? It reminds me when Fred Astaire went for an audition at Culver City and some underling wrote on his little card afterwards, he said, can't act, slightly bald, can dance a little. Talk about an understatement. Saying Jesus was a prophet? And there are people who say that today, that Jesus was a prophet. Jesus was not just a prophet. He was the Savior. He was the Messiah. He is the Lord. And I'm not faulting Cleopas. But it just goes to show you how much they were missing in their knowledge about Jesus. That's one of the things I love about this passage, that Jesus didn't save himself just for the apostles. He didn't save himself just for the ordained clergy. And he didn't reveal himself only to certain special people who had perfect understanding of him. He came to apostles and common men alike. And there are some of you who think that your only way to God is by someone who is wearing a collar. And that is just not true. I like wearing a collar. I love the role that I have. The work that I do as clergy is good. The sacraments are good, and they can definitely be a blessing, and they are one way to the Father, but your way to God is through one thing and one thing alone, and that is through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't come just for holy men. He came for every man and woman to make them holy. And so Cleopas continues with his only half-known truths about Jesus. And he says in verse 20, How our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped. Notice he doesn't say we hope. He says we had hoped. Hoped. Past tense, it meaning we've stopped hoping. We have no hope. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel, yes. And besides all this, 
It is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some of our women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but him they did not see. What's missing? What's missing in this story that they're telling, in this story of the events of the last days of Jesus, of Good Friday and Holy Saturday and Easter Sunday? What's missing is, Alleluia, Christ is risen! What's missing is the faith in the resurrection. What's missing is understanding of what was really going on in these three days. And if you have ever said, I don't know enough about the Bible. If you've ever said, I don't really understand all this religious stuff. I don't really know what some of it means. Then I have to tell you, you are in great company today. Because even these people, even a relative of Jesus, most likely, even one of these people who had been one of his 120 closest disciples, they didn't understand. You're in great company because Jesus still draws near to you. Perfect understanding is not a requirement. Verse 25, And Jesus spoke to them and said, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, you do know that Moses wrote the first books of the Bible and the prophets are the last books of the, of the Old Testament. And what Luke is saying here, what he's letting us know, is that this was probably the best Bible study that has ever been led in the history of man. He went, Jesus went from the beginning to the end of the Bible, the only Bible that they knew, and taught them as they walked. Now, theologians have found at least over 300 Old Testament prophecies about Jesus, and so Jesus is teaching them all these things. He's saying Christ was the seed of the woman. He was the blessing of Abraham. He was the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He was the man who wrestled with Jacob. He was the lion of the tribe of Judah. He was the voice of the burning bush. He was the Passover lamb. He was the prophet greater than Moses. He was the captain of the Lord's army. He was the ultimate kinsman redeemer. He was the son of David. He was the greater king. He was the suffering savior. He was the good shepherd. He was the wisdom in the Proverbs. He was the lover in the song of Solomon. He was the princely Messiah from Daniel. Jesus was just a prophet? No! Jesus was the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords, and he has conquered over sin and death, and he reigns forevermore. Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. And Jesus acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly. And what that Greek word actually means, it says they held on to him and they wouldn't let him go. 
Jesus, please let all of us have that reaction to hold on to you and to not let you go. And they said to him, stay with us, for it is towards evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. The supernatural new and resurrected body of Christ doesn't have the same limitations they once had had and he had accomplished his purpose and now he went to do more. Verse 32, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us when he talked to us on the road? Well, he opened to us the scriptures and they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. Now remember, they had just traveled seven miles to get where they were going. I don't know if they got all the way down there, but they were definitely far away and they had just gotten done saying to Jesus that the sun was going down and the evening was there and the day was far spent. What was so important that they had to leave again so soon? They continue in verse 33 and says, They quickly found the eleven, and those who were gathered there with them together. And they were no longer saying, We had hoped Jesus would be the Messiah. Because what had been sorrow and loss and doubt had been changed forevermore, and now they were saying, as we say today, The Lord has risen indeed. And has appeared to Simon. Then they told of what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And what we're about to do right now, it's powerful. Because when we hold up the bread, and you know that's what's happening, right? I don't hold it up, we hold it up through my hand. My role is to be you to God. And when you see me breaking the bread, we break it. And Jesus breaks it. And we all are one in that moment. And just because you're seeing it on a screen doesn't make it any less true. Because just because you're seeing me on a screen doesn't make me any less your priest. It doesn't make my hands any less your hands. It doesn't make us any less one body in our Lord Jesus Christ. And he is with us. And he is known in the breaking of the bread. And my prayer is that in this moment, Jesus will draw near. And that you will know him. And that you will be one with him. And one with us. As we live forevermore in the power of the resurrection. Christ is risen. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, by your radiant and magnificent resurrection, you broke the bonds of death and rose from the grave as a conqueror. You reconciled heaven and earth. 
Our life had no hope of eternal happiness before you redeemed us. Your resurrection has washed away our sins, has restored our innocence, and brought us joy. How inestimable is the tenderness of your love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. You've been listening to sermons and homilies from Christ the Holy Servant Church in Buffalo, New York, delivered by, weekly by Father Joshua and Deacon Allen. If you'd like to connect with us or find out more, visit our website at ChristTheHolyServant.com. Join us for live prayer every morning at 7 a.m. or join us for worship on our Facebook page at Facebook.com backslash ChristTheHolyServant or on YouTube by searching for Christ the Holy Servant. We hope this has blessed you and helped you come closer to God our Father. And now may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand.